Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I'm your host, Megan Burks, a certified professional coach specializing in ADHD and embodiment practices, steel mace flow enthusiast, and recovering perfectionist whose life has been guided, for better or for worse, by the motto, let's fuck around and find out. On this podcast, I interview women and those who identify as women who have done just that and whose honesty, bravery, vulnerability, and curiosity have helped them find their stoke, the thing that lights them up and has shaped their relationship with their body, their spirit, and the world around them. I share the stories that inspire me so that you too can find your stoke. Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I am so pleased to have with me today one of my besties, actually. Um, this is going to be a really great chat uh, with Leanne Dinham. Welcome to the show, Leanne. I'm going to read your formal bio, which I always love doing for people. Leanne Dinham is a movement coach, Buffy lover, cat mom, and a mace artist. When she, She's a lot more than that, too, but we're going to get into all that. When she first picked up a steel mace, she was deep in grief after the unexpected death of her mom. This ancient tool unlocked something primal. She felt the warrior within stir and the storyteller inside her get really excited about a new medium with which to play. Everything changed. Having grown up doing martial arts and playing in bands, flow triggering activities were not new, though she did not know what it was or why it felt so good back then. Nearly a decade into her journey as a coach, now she does. Turns out younger Lee playing with pretend swords was on the right path. Lee coaches rad humans all over the world using tools like steel mace, Indian clubs, and flow ropes with a focus on exploring movement, developing the skills to step into flow and having fun. This includes showing up for ourselves and each other and having a good time while trying hard stuff and learning new things. Leanne Dinham, what are you stoked about? I'm stoked to be on my very first podcast. Hello. Hello. I'm popping her <laughs> podcast, Cherry, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm going to jump right into something that came up yesterday. I was feeling a bit nervous. Yes. During this podcast, which obviously it's not nervous about talking to me because we talk to each other like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. So what, what were the nerves about? I told you I was going to ask you about this. Uh, more just like, I think we can have a good conversation a lot of the time but you know what if it's a dud (laughs) what if if when we're actually recording we think we're like we think we're so fascinating just on the phone to each other and now that it's recorded then nothing happens and it's crickets but I don't think that's going to happen I don't think that's going to happen either and I also think that that's always the risk of doing a podcast I mean I'm I'm like I'm leaping into a genre that's you know it's pretty saturated right now um so this is not something that's like highly unique and a new medium that we're all kind of exploring but what you and I both know as avid podcast listeners is that for storytellers like us um having an opportunity to share and to listen to other people's stories is a really powerful tool when it comes to healing ourselves and connecting to humanity which for those of us who have lived through lockdowns here in Victoria has been really really important to do Um, So the very first thing I want to ask you about is, for those people who don't know, what's a steel mace? A steel mace. Um, 
A steel mace, the way it is now, is an offset tool. It is used for movement practice and exercise. I have one right here. Let me just step off screen and show those of you watching. So it's uh, about a meter long. This one is 10 pounds or four and a half kilos, all the weights at one end of it. And then it is on a long hollow uh, handle. So it's offset and it is, I guess, a derivative and in the line of Persian meals and garters from India that are made of concrete with bamboo sticks. And so there's a long history of the shape and the tool. Um, and this is the new iteration of it, I guess. So nothing new under the sun, but new, new, for, new for movement culture in a way. New for movement culture. So, I mean, it's an excellent tool of fitness. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know already, uh, Lee is a, was actually the first Australian, I believe, coach to be qualified in steel mace flow. Is that correct? Yes, to, to teach classes. I believe, yeah, yeah, one of the first. I think yeah. it was maybe one of the first two, so... Yeah. That's exciting. And then Lee is my coach, was yes. my first coach, one of one of my coaches now. I'm lucky to have a few, um, which is a great chance to learn from different styles. And I learned from her coach and things like that. Lee also was my mentor and my coach to help me prepare to do my Steel Maze Flow certification. Um, and the reason that I connected with you so much is because I had a very similar experience the first time I picked up a maze, I saw it on Instagram and thought, oh yeah, that looks like hot shit. And like everyone using them was like oiled and ripped and you know, like that kind it of thing. Ripped. Yeah. It like looks... everyone, everyone was super hot and sexy. And it looks and cool. Everyone looks yeah. cool when they do it. They do look cool. And I mean, it looks, it looks fucking cool. And as a, a child who also loved to play with swords and, and pretend weapons and fight bad guys and all of that kind of stuff. I was like, this is great. I ordered it. It came in the mail. I picked it up. I was like, holy shit, this is hard. I put it down. I didn't touch it again for probably a year. Um, you know, which is a, is a bit of a pattern of mine sometimes revisiting hobbies over time. Then I heard about you through a mutual friend and you and I clicked immediately. And when I was able to express to you somewhat vulnerably the experience I had the first time I got my hands on a mace, you were like, holy shit, me too. Like, that is what it's about for me. So that is what I would really like for you to share with people. We've covered the kind of fitness aspect of it, offset training, rotational training, multi-plane movement. I mean, it's wonderful as a fitness tool for that. You're not just moving in this kind of linear plane of movement and building strength in one way. But beyond that. What's the next level? To Beyond that, there's something magic. There's something magic about holding something that is fashioned in a, in the style of a weapon that was used as a weapon. Um, I'm getting emotional even talking about it. Yeah, I've pretty. got tissues right here <laughs> because I had to go and run and get them because I was like, my odds of crying during this episode, either from laughter or from like, grief and emotion. I was like, it's high. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, I found Steel Mace Flow at a time when I had lost the ability to find joy in movement. Yeah. I had been a trainer for, uh, say, seven, seven odd years. Um, and then my mum my died unexpectedly three years ago now. And once she died, after about a month, I tried to get into training again. 
you know, all right, where do we start? Let's, let's do the process of what I might normally do if I fell off the wagon. I would, all right, here's an old kettlebell thing. Here's an old barbell workout. I'd go down, I'd attempt to do it and fail. It, it, was too, it was too heavy. It felt terrible. Nothing was working. It made me feel worse. Um, and not to mention like the weight of grief, yeah. barely being able to stand. Why am I going to put a barbell on my back with 60 kilos and then do squats? Oh, you're rising up again. Yeah, it's not going to fucking work at that point in time. Yeah. And I fought with it a little bit. Like, you know, there was one or two days doing it. Not nah, dip another week. Try it again, one or two days. Nope, not quite again. And then I was looking online, much like you, and I saw Leo Savage moving a mace, slinging that fucking thing <laughs> with such fucking beauty. Yeah. And, and strength, beauty. right? Like it's beauty and strength. You can see how much he's attached to it when he moves yeah the artistry the connection and being in the fitness industry as a fitness professional it can be really sterilizing you know you spend a lot of your time trying to get the results for people and writing programs and this and that and you know like how does it work the mechanical aspects of it and then along the way the heart or the artistry or the play gets pushed aside for other times. Like, no, we need to get yeah. a workout in. Yeah. Need to get my heart rate up. We need, need to, to work out. We need to get my heart rate up. It needs to sweat. It needs to be hard, or else it's point. Or else, what's the point? Um, and that's a mindset that I had had. Then I couldn't do that. <laughs> and I had to reorganize how I viewed myself. I was not a person who could do those things right now. So. Then we talk about like the descent. <laughs> yeah. Then we see Leo order a mace online and then search Google to try and find a coach in Australia. Doesn't look like there's anybody, doesn't look like there's anybody in Australia with a mace at the time that I was looking. Um, so I messaged Leo. I said, hey, is this is this good for people who've never picked up a mace before? Like, I need to know somewhere to start. He sent me an actual video and was like, hey, fuck yeah, like, do it over Instagram. Like, this is the thing you need. Like, it, it's good. It, it's great. I got it. I found within it, once again, just a new approach. It's a new approach, the way that the team works at Still Mace Flow. It's a new it was new to me right mm. and that's that's the most important thing at the time yeah. is that it was what I needed all of a sudden it was about this light thing that you can pick up and it's not going to weigh you down and you can breathe and you can move in any plane of motion you want and once you know the basics the beauty of being able to put on your headphones and just run through what you know all of a sudden turns into yeah. three hours out in the oval moving almost consistently yeah and that was months all of a sudden and I couldn't move before that and then all of a sudden I couldn't put this thing down yeah so that's 
that's kind of when I started. It coincided a lot with the very first lockdown in Melbourne, which I'm really fortunate because I also took a chance and messaged a stranger on Instagram that I really liked the way that he moved and I knew he was one of the coaches for Steel Mace Flow. Um, and I messaged him and he turned out to be the fucking best person in the world I could have <laughs> Say his name. We gotta give him a shout out. Jeff. Jeff. Jeffrey Jeff. Ox. We will be tagging. Jeff Ox. Um, fuck man. Between between what Leah produced and how mm. Jeff, what Jeff's created, and how he can how he can pass that on and teach it in in his way too. Like, fuck. It's it's just amazing. Like, it's a fucking rad practice. Everyone I've met who's picked up a mace. It's just fucking happy to see someone else with a mace. And that is a fucking amazing community. Yeah. Is there's no nobody's like trying to be cool. Everyone's actually really cool because they're fucking nice and they just want to move with a mace and they're happy to see that you have one. Yeah. They love it. And I mean, people, the the looks that you get when you use it in public, um people are so curious about it, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of thing, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it would have bothered me. I would have been like, oh, people are looking at me. And now I'm like, they're probably just jealous. And I don't I don't mean jealous in a mean way. I just mean when I see someone now in public playing a sport that's unfamiliar to or doing any kind of a flaw activity in particular, skateboarding, roller skating, I'm just so... I'm so grateful that I have so many different opportunities to witness the way that we can move our bodies and that my own understanding of movement and my relationship to my body, which I want to get into in a minute, because you and my mace practice and Jeff, um, because, you know, this is where I know this isn't a martial art, but I think of this very much as a lineage. You know, you are my coach and mentor. He is your coach and mentor. He is also my coach and mentor. Um, But there is this kind of passing down. Um, I haven't had a lot to do with Leo directly, you know, because that's not kind of where I came into the practice. But for me to find Mace at a time where I was having to dramatically, dramatically shift my relationship to my body and that, you know, that process has taken 10 or 15 years. I've spoken before publicly about the fact that I dealt with disordered eating for most of my life in some form or another to varying degrees. And, you know, I got really quote unquote healthy at times running long distances and like tracking my food, but the shame and the attachment to that. And then at some point a few years ago, you know, the lockdowns were a big part of it. I kind of went, ah, fuck it all. I'm just going to eat what I want and go with the flow and not move. And there is this, you know, you and I have talked about the quote before about there's, there's a bounce somewhere between deprivation and discipline and carelessness and indulgence. And I tend to swing to those. Wildly. Wildly to the other. And, you know, a, a part of a huge part of our friendship to me has been, kind of pulling each other back towards the middle sometimes and going yeah like there's there's this sweet spot in here that you're allowed to come to um but I found Mace at a time where I was suddenly there was you know there was no attachment to what I could lift or or you know what numbers I was putting up or how fast I could do things um 
having come from CrossFit and I, you know, I went, I was part of a box that was super supportive. I'm not an elite competitor. I've scaled the shit out of everything. So it wasn't that, but I'm very competitive with myself. Yeah. Um, and to me, my experience in the base community, and I know this might not be the same for everyone because like any community, there can be, you know, tricky bits to work through, but it's been so highly individual in terms of like, literally all I have to do is show the fuck up. That's yeah. it. That is all I'm being asked to do as part of this practice is yeah. to show up and be willing to be vulnerable and to move my emotions with my mace and some days I don't even do that like there's times in a class where we're working through a flow and I'm like eh, I get some 360s because like I don't want to do the flow right now I'm going to sit on the floor and breathe for a minute because all I have to do is show up and I needed that the last couple of years um and that has been a huge part of reminding myself that it's actually really safe for me to feel pleasure in my body to use my body as a tool for joy and for expression and to fucking have fun and to try new things and to you know sometimes accidentally hit yourself with a very heavy thing in the head while you're trying a new trick or whatever it is um but i would love to hear a little bit about because i you know we obviously it's like eight podcast episodes if we're like talk about body image and being a woman in the world <laughs> get into the whole thing but I know that Mace and this practice has also been a huge part of that for you. So that's what I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, I just want to kind of add to that as well, your experience of when you picked up the Mace. Do you think, because it was for me, the fact that it is online, you are not in a class literally yeah. next to people looking at the person beside you, comparing, looking at the person to the left, looking at the person to the right, like watching the person in front, being like, fuck, I'm not doing it like they're doing it. But you're watching the screen, you're doing your best, you're in your own environment and there's this permission to yeah. like, it's, it's your class. You can yeah. do it. Like you're on mute. You can swear. Yeah. You can do whatever you want right now, but you can also buy in as much as you want. Yeah. And I think that was the beauty of it for me as well, is that for as outgoing as I am, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, quiet until you get to know me and then oh lord you can't shut me up type of people so it also goes in if I'm in a group class that I'm not in charge of <laughs> I'm not the most outgoing there I'm only like outgoing if I'm the boss in situations a lot of the time <laughs> otherwise I'm you know I just like to watch because I really you know I end up just viewing people and in enjoying being there but that also comes with comparison and yeah also the way that people like to push themselves it might not be the same like as much as you want to push yourself on a certain day and I think that was a lot of the value in it as well so if I could like I'm trying to you know keep keep it in a container here it's kind of like the purpose of movement went from like do lift more than you did last week and show up more times than you did last week and change will have to happen because this change is what we want. Mm. And it turned to, how do you feel today? Yeah. Do you want to, you want to, you want to move with that? Or do you want to just maybe just move your body? Are you angry today? Do you want to use that anger in your flow, in your movement? Like, how can we get this out? How can we breathe? And 
the beautiful part about being able to step into any class that's like you said before like there's no kind of I mean unless you walk into a class that's called advanced but if you just show up for a still news flow class and it's you know kind of all levels I think I, I must have heard it on one of the early podcasts that Leo did um but he's like I should be able to teach any flow to any person yeah. on the first day yeah like a version of it like I'm, I'm not saying that you'll be able to single arm do things but I should be able to teach you a way to hold the mace with two hands maybe to execute a movement like what we need to eventually get so you can join in so you can be a part of it in your own way yeah and that was really really exciting for me like a really good challenge like but I have to if I want to share this with people the idea is you give them what what they can do like that's that's kind of your job too like yeah I'm there to to kind of share something and and share a moment but I'm also there to like help them get to a place where they can find you know they push just beyond their boundaries it's repeatable for them but they're pushing and then they can hopefully get into flow with some more practice you know it's not a thing that happens initially but it's it's something that once you get there, you wonder how you moved yeah. without it. <laughs> like where have you been all my life kind of yeah. thing. And that, that means that working out didn't have to be about a certain thing anymore because I wasn't punching a clock. I wasn't like punching a time card, like showing yeah. up to work, fucking hating it clocking in clocking out is that enough <laughs> I literally couldn't put it down I was like I'm going outside headphones on duh, duh, duh. and especially yeah. when we had lockdowns oh I get my two hours outside oh I was literally moving a mace for the whole two hours yeah. because I couldn't put it down and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just that looks- doesn't make you healthier all round just enjoying movement more practicing more varied movement and I think that's why I've had also physically less ailments in the past three years I've barely gone to you know see professionals like osteos and myos and stuff or one because they were closed but also I haven't needed to because of the way I've been training moving the way I've been moving has has kind of allowed for flexibility in that it doesn't matter anymore and look, you and I have spoken about that heaps of times. The second I start moving my mace, I have a lot of injuries that kind of crop up. And I know that for me, and look, and I'm careful about it. You know, I'm not stupid with it. I don't attempt things. If I don't feel up to it, I'm good at checking in with my body. But that that style of movement, like we talked about before, and moving in those 360 degrees, uh and and exploring all sorts of different kinds of planes of of movement that if you're coming from a more traditional fitness environment you can 100 percent almost guarantee that you haven't explored certain planes you haven't been doing them yeah or very rarely or like i mean even in a gym where their programming is very varied if you only go monday wednesday friday and you miss tuesday thursday and those were the days that they were doing you know lateral movements or whatever then then you miss out on so much whereas with the mace generally speaking in in almost every mace session you're going to move in all of those directions and what that showed me was where my weaknesses were 
and I don't mean that in a weakness is in a, a judgment kind of thing, but like but the asymmetry is off. Yeah, where was the asymmetry? Um, where was my strength really differentiated? Where was my balance really different? And then the other thing about my training that I that just like lit me up was the brain challenge of moving my upper body one way choreography isn't it it is choreography and that for the dancer in me um again to be able to start to explore something that had once been such a love of mine but had then come with so much judgment about the way I looked or being too tall or not good enough and you know all of those kinds of things a lot of that judgment was heaped on me by me like my own worst enemy and I can acknowledge that but to be able to have fun with those things. And now as a coach, when I choreograph a flow for a client and I get to teach them this flow that I've created and watching it be able to come together, I just find that like, it's just thrilling to me to kind of find that yeah. happening. It pushes it past, it. it pushes it past a workout and it brings like your imagination into it and you yeah. can play again. It's yeah, it's magic. And that was actually... That was the thing I remember when I read your website the very first time. Um, there was something on there where you talked about the different archetypes that show up to play with the mace. So like, do you want to be the child and play? Do you want to be the artist and express? Do you want to be the rebel and fight? Like, you know, which is the next rabbit hole I would love to jump down with you because again these are all the things that we spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about with each other is how movement and I'm broadening it beyond just mace because I yeah. don't think it has to be just mace I know for for mace for me there was a definite like the first time I used the mace I think it was when I was doing I'm trying to remember I think it was when I started to learn uppercuts. Probably. It usually is. Yeah. It usually uh, is. And, people, yeah. and, and like long stabs and some sword transitions and stuff yeah. that I had a very, very visceral experience of, oh, I've done this before, you know, and knowing parts of my ancestral lineage, I potentially have, but that, that energy was in there for me for that. Um, and I was able to really start to embrace that. And then it opened up this door to start to explore these different archetypes that are so much a part of my own personal journey and the work that I do with women as a coach. I mean, that's really kind of a cornerstone archetypes and narratives that I'm constantly talking about. And I know that's been a huge part for you. So what I'm really, I think what I'd like to ask you, if you <laughs> because I find it hard to put into words sometimes, but for people who are listening to this, who are like, oh, I just go to like F45 and like get sweaty and stuff, which is fine. Like if you love that, if that floats your boat and feels good. If you don't care and great. you just need to show up somewhere and fucking punch yeah. the clock, that's like, totally fine. Like there are people. Were, yeah. Yeah. And that's, we're not judging that in any way, shape or form. Because really movement needs to be something you love. It needs to be something that makes you feel good. Um. But if you have noticed that your movement practice over the last couple of years is lacking something, right? And it's just this other to-do on your list and it's a chore and it's drudgery. It's in the way. It's in the way. You're not uh, doing maybe it. Maybe my it's body is in the way. It's, yeah, it's bringing up feelings of shame or guilt or not good enough. Like it's just not something you're finding yourself excited to go engage with. And you're looking to begin to expand that. 
but this is all a bit new to you to maybe consider this idea that movement can actually be something like it can be a practice. It can actually it can touch your heart. Movement can touch your heart. And I feel like it sounds like, uh, I mean, I'm reading, I'm reading this book called cultish and it talks about the language of fanaticism. <laughs> we sound weird. And I'm like, lordy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but sure. it talks about like, you know, friendly cultish kind of things and like, yeah, fucking a like different yeah. types of movement culture are like yeah. we adopt a certain language we end up really fucking into it and that's my my partner's even said it that I can be really full-on with how much I'm into it and maybe I maybe just breathe <laughs> it's like a, um people are like whoa in CrossFit whoa. they call it mixed marriages when one person's a CrossFitter and one person's not right and like they, it's like an ongoing joke but like here's how to deal with a crossfit mixed marriage and i guess like it's probably made mixed marriage. but you and i have just started you know we're having an affair on the side where we fucking mace all we want which is amazing so well, i think know. that it's uh it's helped out both our relationships oh, that probably. we're able to like get on zoom and and talk mace and, yeah. and move and, and swing the mace and yeah. just go around with it so the question i want to ask though is is for people who are, I guess, being introduced to a concept of intuitive movement, essentially, is kind of what we're talking yes. about. And working with not only your physical energy, where are you at in your menstrual cycle, how much water have you had, did you poop today, did you sleep, all of that kind of stuff is really important, especially, like, I'm 43, that's become more and more important to my training and my recovery from training as I've gotten older and entered perimenopause. Um but also emotionally, how you're engaging with that movement practice and then the desire that creates to show up and continue to kind of play. Yeah. So when you talk about showing up and going, ooh, and like, do you know, using the anger as an example, because that's really good. Yeah. So if I go to pick my mace up and I'm like, like, I'm so angry, you can go hit a tire. Like I can use that anger. I can use that anger. I can use the both, like the crushing my hands toward each other, imbuing all my tension into it. I can like, yeah, create that tension from the floor all the way up. So we have like our standing structure and creating those lines of control. Yeah. Maybe I might like think about the things that are pissing me off while I'm doing a prayer switch, moving the weight from side to side. I might add a squat. I might do those squats until I feel like I cannot do those squats anymore, being really angry and really stepping into that anger. And then Mm. it's time, which is really rad that you kind of, it feels more natural once you've been moving for longer. And this might seem kind of crazy right now to say, I've put all the tension into the mace, right? Mm. And then to release it, I'm going to do some sword swings because yeah. they're going to fling those bad thoughts and bad intentions and bad vibes. Yeah. Shoot it out the tail of the mace and to the world. Like... It's going to dissipate. It's, yeah. it's out of here. Yeah. Um, and then I can follow it up with some 360s, which is circling the orb around myself, making a heart with my hands, showing some love, creating an aura. And whether you want to think of a 360 as and creating an aura of protection or a beacon of love that you are shooting out or a fucking protective dome that you are locking shit down in, like whatever you need to visualize. I think Steel Mace Flow cracked it for me because I found it really, really hard to meditate. Yeah. And this is 
moving meditation. Like you put the intent behind the movement Mm -hmm. and then we have more than just working out. Yeah. Working in, you know, and, and really on. Yeah. And working on and play. And it's all, it's, it's play. I mean, at the end of the day, um, and I've had some shitty mace sessions. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> you hear me all the time, pick up my mace and be like, apparently I've never done a 360 before. It feels, or like, <laughs> have I picked up my heavy mace by accident? Nope. This is my normal one. Um, but it's still more fun. And that it's goes into the thing of like, the mace that. hasn't changed, but you've changed. I've changed. Right. And that, and that goes back to all the physical and the emotional things that I'm looking at. Which is the other cool thing about it is that once you get into steel mace flow it's not a game about can i do this with this weight okay now i have to go up one weight can i do this with this weight okay it's time to go up there is nobody's talking about like no one gives a shit what weight you're using they're just like hey does that feel nice awesome if you need a a different one change it i've only seen it once like a couple times in comments where people have been like hey what weight is that and other people almost always immediately respond like who fucking cares and i'm just like (laughs) think that's really funny right because like, think, no one cares you, you can challenge yourself great but I think you can kind of tell when you're watching from like yeah. how how it moves but the rad thing about this community and the rad thing about the women in this community and the smaller statue people yeah. humans of this community are that the standard size is a 10 pound is yep. so it's four and a half kilos everyone uses that that is like the like Everyone will flow with that at some point. Probably 75% of people are flowing that are flowing are using that weight. Yeah. And that's like the biggest buffest dudes and yeah. the smallest women like fucking rocking it out. And that's like everybody's sweating cool. by yeah. the end of the flow. And so for people yeah. who are listening who are like, you know, on their phone right now, like. ordering, like, where do I order this mace thing? Who are already ready to sign up to join our cult, please. We'll have our details at the end. Don't underestimate. So- yeah, don't look at the 10 pounds and be like, oh, I'm going to get the bigger one because I don't, like, I can bench, you know, 60 kilos and I can squat 100. Like, it doesn't translate the same way. So please no. just start with a four or a 4.5 kilo. I think you can almost, it's only fours available right now. Your elbows and tendons yeah. and shoulders will thank you. They will. Um, next question, though. I don't think I'm answering these questions, but we're having a good talk. You are answering these questions. (laughs) Of the archetypes that show up, because you have been very much, I mean, look, I was about to say, you've been on a heroine's journey. We're all fucking on a hero's journey or a heroine's journey, whether or not we acknowledge it. Whether (laughs) or not we figure it it. out yet or not, right? Right. And whether or not we're like actively seeking support and guidance and maps to actually help us through this right and building communities or actively making all the tabs in the world (laughs) right they're all highlighted and dog-eared okay we'll compare notes love it so so but you you are vocally on a heroine's journey and you think the language of that to describe the things that you've moved through in the last year particularly since the death of your mother yeah You've been, you have been a seeker for long before that, based on conversations you and I have had about who we were when we were youth and when we were younger and all of those kinds of things. Um, But as is almost always the case, when it comes to that descent and that part of the heroine's journey, it's almost always the dark night of the soul. So it's almost some kind of a crisis or something like that. Um, and I would love it if you would share a little bit about how that framework 
of the heroine's journey has helped you heal. And when I say heal, healing is really just, you know, continuing to step towards who it is that we wish to be in this world. So this yeah. notion of like, oh, yay, I'm healed. I've reached the end of the heroine's journey. Guess what? Oh, oh no. Get to it's the end and they're like, have a cup of tea and here's the map for the next one. Like, it's fucking off you go. So. Yeah, I, I think like I had a really great counselor therapist who was totally on my, totally on my page. She was the right person to start introducing me to a few of these things, which innately I knew. But then once I read it, I was like, oh, I already had it. I know this in my brain and in my soul already. And I think that's the storyteller in me was just like, oh, snap. There was a formula for it. Like I'm, I was hugely into film and television and, and still am into movies and, and shows. But when I was growing up, that was what I wanted to do, be it acting or storytelling or like actually compiling things. So I was heavy into media, making things. Heard about Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey. It's pretty unmissable. It's how you study film. Um, no, I was at uni for that. No one fucking told me about the heroine's journey, did they? Yeah. We'll just make it pink and give it a month out of the year and you know you can have that one once and once i read it and was like holy fucking shit balls yeah. and once the chapters are reading out and like calling me out personally how rude i've never been so <laughs> finger pointed at a by a book almost yeah. never I, I, I can't off the top of my head think of another book that's like ow yeah ouch <laughs> um and, you know, and that goes to things like even like what is the <sighs> pushing your mom away when you're younger. Mm. My mom was in abusive relationships when she, when I was younger. So I kind of had that like, uh, can't trust mom. Women make bad decisions. Yeah. Like, uh, that's, that's too much. Okay. I can't be vulnerable in that way. Boom, boom. Walls go up. Identification with the masculine. Then we go on the, the path of the father's daughter and, and they were doing that. I did Taekwondo growing up. My dad did Taekwondo. I was at his meets as like a three-year-old. And then as soon as I was old enough that I was allowed to join in and I was going like Taekwondo. Um, I never did dance because I think it was, it was too girly. I did aerobics. I think, I think we actually just briefly spoke about this story. Ugh, ugh. I did aerobics <laughs> when I was in primary school. Um, and it was like this really cheesy, like do aerobics on stage and you do a little routine and then like all the schools do it. And uh, I had this vivid, vivid memory. And this is like nine or 10, right? Like a little girl, vivid memory. All the team's pitches, like little headshots are on are on a on, on notice board at school. And, and a group of kids are looking at it. It's maybe 60%, 65% boys and girl. And then the rest were girls and they're looking. And for some reason, the boys have taken upon themselves to point at each of the pitches and you're either ugly or fat. Yeah. Those are the only two options. Yeah, there's no good options. And like... But why do we even need to point that out or say that anyway is absolutely beyond yeah. children are cruel, right? Yeah. But I remember going, well, fat. Okay. I'm, I'm the fat one. All right. Well, better like start eating less. Need to shrink. 
which I was never good at. So that's good. I, I've always liked food too much to thankfully <laughs> ever have an issue, even if I was trying to actively have an issue, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's something that sticks, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, those are those, those narratives that haunt us. That moment. That little girl. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's who I get sad for. And um, you get sad for that little girl. You do. And you, um, you know, you and I recently had a conversation last week when you became an auntie for the yeah. first time. So exciting. Of a beautiful niece. Um, and you were expressing, you know, your excitement overall. Also like, oh shit, you're a girl in this world because... You and I are both very much aware that it's not only the external systems of oppression that we need to be aware of and that we need to be actively working towards dismantling. And I'm talking about everything from the gender pay gap to diet culture, to the sizing on women's clothes, to the cosmetic and, you know, like there's that out there. Then we have the patriarchy, which is both, um, you know, external, internal in terms of it being ingrained in people and, and, uh, the maintenance of those systems is this other thing that we have to be aware of and fighting against. And then <laughs> there's our, <laughs> <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house, the internalized. Oh yeah. Misogyny, which is actually the spikiest. Um, the spikiest. And that has been, you know, I think that was probably a conversation that I remember that being a real, for me, a real moment in, in our relationship where I was like, ah, she gets it. She gets me because I'd been having this conversation about pitting women against women and this whole, like, I'm not like the other girls and, you know, this, this kind of thing. And someone had shared a meme and tagged me in it. And I was like, no, dude, that's like, I'm not cool with that. Kind of went past that. Yeah. And I remember telling you about it and you being like, oh, no, that's not cool. And I was like, ah, okay, I can have this conversation with her. Um, and that recognition, you know, as you just spoke about, about uh, pushing the mother away, pushing the feminine away, contrast that didn't happen. I don't think, I think I adopted the masculine very early in life. And then because my mom was always quite physically close to me until very recently when she moved back to Canada, um, and I'd had children by that point, there was, it was quite a wrenching apart of us in, in terms of how, I didn't realize until she was gone how much I'd never like truly stepped into motherhood is like this thing that I'm just, like, you know, oh God, I have to be the adult now, really. And had yeah. to rely on her emotionally. And that's been very painful, um, but really important to be able to kind of work through that. And it's a constant battle for me to be able to identify and embrace those masculine parts of myself which are so necessary to the lifestyle that I live in terms of like my organization skills managing my kids and their needs and appointments and like just the sheer volume of tasks that are on my plate and then also allowing myself to soften into flow and mace and flow in particular has been this other reminder for me of how we can create a structure yeah but the creation of that structure, which for me for so long, it was like, oh, routine, oh, discipline. Like, I don't like it, but I actually fucking love it because within the creation of that structure, 
I then am actually able to let myself go because I've created these kind of parameters to work within, which is obviously a huge part of creating a flow state. Yeah. Um, I, I know that you are a bit of a, a flow. What would you call yourself? Expert. I think you're a bit of a flow expert in terms of you have a lot of knowledge about, I guess, the ingredients and the elements that kind of come into it. But the first thing I want to ask you about, because this is um, the, like, I'm very conscious of time. I've committed to trying to keep, I know. I do what the time is. <laughs> I know. It doesn't matter. Um, but something I just, I'm curious to hear about, I guess, because one of the things that I see over and over and over and over again with my clients and with my female friends in our forties is there's been, especially during lockdowns as well, it happened a lot. There's been a real return to things that we loved as girls. So oh, yeah. whether it's like roller skating or playing an instrument and when you get to do it in your forties, when you've reached the point or your thirties or whenever it happens for you, but when you get to do it a little bit older, where you've reached this point where like, you really can't be stuffed worrying about what people think of you or how you look doing it. Like the freedom yeah. and the liberation that that creates is just like so insanely de delicious. And I'm the reason I do the work I do is because I can look around and see that most people have not achieved that most people have not actually experienced that most people i know are still very caught in yeah this. they're still showing up to work out to change something that's wrong that needs exactly. to be fixed right rather than showing up to see what they can do today and yeah. see if maybe they can do a little more tomorrow or yeah. do it differently tomorrow yeah. or continue to find ways to find joy and i think that's that's what i'm trying to do now is and that's what i'm you know trying to help people do is just be more flexible with the ways that you express your fitness or your movement. Like yeah. it doesn't have to look a certain way because it did five years ago. It doesn't have to look a certain way tomorrow because you did this thing yesterday. Yeah. But if you show up for yourself, like in kindness yeah. and in like this way of like, look, I'm only going to be in my body for a finite amount of time, but also it's probably way longer than you think. <laughs> I think about that sometimes. I'm like, I have so much life left probably. Like, look, oh, I always kind of thought I wouldn't make it to the end I am now. And now that I am, I'm like, ooh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to invest in the infrastructure here. Like, damn. Yeah, like, oh, no one's doing this. Isn't ooh. we have to plan for a future because we appear to have one now. What? Isn't yeah. that gorgeous? Yeah. Um, and you know, I say I say that jokingly as well, but but also yeah. like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, Lots of people don't true. really think they're gonna make it, and no, yeah, they just, don't, they just don't do the maths, right? Like, you don't actually think about like. Like one of the, um, one of the women I've worked with as a nutrition coach or her company, she talks about like, if you're only 30, then you probably have 70% of your life left because like the average life expectancy is continuing to right. increase our medical interventions at end of life are continuing to get better. And, better. and I want to keep doing just, cool, fun. That's shit. exactly it. I don't want to just be like, like, I don't, I'll be pretty happy to check out. I think when I'm I want to be able oh, to do different cool things yeah. when I'm 40 that I couldn't do when I was 30. Yeah. Like, and I can not for me is like, yeah. I want to do different cool things that I couldn't do. Now. It doesn't have to be the same things better. That's kind yeah. of, that's kind of reductive too. Like it doesn't yeah. matter who, Oh, great. You beat yourself. Like, I don't really care in that either. Like, unless I'm having fun. Yeah. But yeah, I think that those kind of the, the, the goals change now. 
the goals, like it's so different after finding flow because it's, it's turned it into more of a, an enjoyable thing, like playing music was when I was younger. I, it used to be the same thing. I used to put my headphones on or take my, take my old boombox and stack of CDs down to underneath the house, my my headphones on, be behind my drum kit and I'd be there for five, like, you know, three to six hours. Yeah. That was fucking flow. I didn't know it back yeah. then because nobody was using fancy words to say like that's what happened. Yeah. But now that I'm older and I'm I'm rediscovering these things, it's awesome that now I see it everywhere because it is everywhere and it's a skill that can be built upon. Yeah. And I think it's something that it can you it does not steal mace flow as well. I got to say that that like there's the practice of flow and flow state still mace flow is what this movement practice is called yeah but like you can get into flow with absolutely anything you can get into any tool you fucking want really um it it takes a few a few like ingredients you need to be working at a level a little bit higher than your capacity it if it's a repetitive thing that's going to help you too because you're going to be able to just get better at that same thing and get on a bit of a loop right um, you can have full attention on it. Yeah. Music can help. Yeah. Doesn't have to be there, but it can. For me, it fucking super, super helps. And you just fucking, you move until you're not thinking about the move anymore. Yeah. And then you are the move. <laughs> you are the movement. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, I said to my coach, Jeff, one day, um, after like two weeks of really intense practicing and stuff, and I came to him and I'm like, I bet I've made this new flow. I've been practicing a lot of the battle steps, which is footsteps and movement for, for the flows. Right. So it's, it's just, you know, different ways of moving your feet and being high on your toes or low. And I came to him and I said, I've made a flow that doesn't even have the mace. It's like you are the mace. And, and you create the mace and then the mace is in your hands and then it exists because you have imagined it and brought it into reality. Yeah. And like, we had a good laugh and went like, I love that this is, this is the coaching relationship yeah. that I have now. It's not That's like a normal conversation. What was, was your PB or did you get all the squats in? Like, did you get that number? Oh, did you not? Did it fail? Okay. How many, what was your heart rate? No, it's like, man, I had a breakthrough. I am the mace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's totally wacky. You end up saying things like "be the mountain goat," like "be be tall and strong and have steady footing on high mountains." Like one of the things was as well. Like so, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like everything's cool, Megan. Everything is cool if you make Everything things cool. cool. If you let your let, let me rephrase that because this is probably a good place to kind of end on. <laughs> Everything is cool if you fucking let stuff be cool. Yeah, man. Buy in. Buy in. More people need to buy in. Yeah. Fucking buy, buy into joy. joy. Stop being too cool. Like yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Done. Like that, that's the end right there. But like in all seriousness, I mean that is really the note that I want to leave it on. But we buy into fear. We buy into anxiety, we buy into comparison, we buy into shame, we buy into guilt. Um, you know, we buy into pretty much everything. We buy into financial comparisons and we buy into consumer culture. Literally, 
and we need to really start buying into joy. Yeah, buy into yourself, buy into buy joy, yourself. buy into buy a yourself. practice, buy into failing. Yes. Like, suck at stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this won't be my best chat with you. <laughs> well, I mean, there's definitely some that I probably didn't share on the podcast. <laughs> um, actually, that's probably not true. I'd probably share most of it because I think that we also... Um, I just want to take a moment to blow some smoke up Lee's ass actually before we we finish because this is something else that I think um, has been a bit of theme in the you know you're you're one of my early recordings for this podcast but I've had conversation and discussion with the other women who have, have confirmed that they will be on and one of the things that we have all talked about and I think something that's become very apparent to a lot of us over the last couple of years is the importance of female friendships and how much they matter and we're not taught how to break up with our female friends, especially for people who live where they kind of grew up and they've had this group of four group of friends their whole life. That can be an absolutely beautiful thing. And I, when I go home to Nova Scotia, there's a group of friends that I hang out with and it's like, no time has passed and it's amazing. But I've also had friends that I've become really close to as an adult. And you have that awareness at some point that it's time for you to part ways much the same way you would in an intimate or a romantic relationship. But we're not taught that that's a normal and natural thing for that to happen. And it can be quite hard and it can be quite jarring. Um, but one of the things I've always appreciated about our friendship is that we're really good at sensing. And when we can't sense, we just fucking ask like, okay, yeah. do you want me to just be sad with you? Or do you want me to tell you to like fucking get over yourself and go do something about your problem? Like yeah, yeah. some tissues for your issue or do you want advice? And I think that happens usually quite intuitively, but, and also I think both of us are really good at calling and being like, I'm really sad. And I just want you to be like, be like, poor me. Okay. Yeah. Or like, I need you on my team or, and also, you know, like, don't let me buy any more courses. Don't let me buy any more journals, which I'm pretty sure both of us have broken that promise to each other. Not, not any courses, not any courses, not any new journals. I'm writing on the paper Excuse I have. God damn it. Excuse me. The Rupi Kaur uh, poetry book, is that not like an arty journal thing? That was before we made that. No, it was not. <laughs> it was pre-order. I actually did pre-order it months ago because okay. I was super okay. excited. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then the funny in a sub, though, I got that book. I opened and read the first couple of pages oh, and it's been sitting on my shelf because it made me nervous. <gasps> Isn't that going to be fun? Oh, I was like, guess what I'm going to be hammering you to pick up. Right? I, I was like... Oh, yeah, I, I don't have her. time for this right now. Yeah, I don't have I'm I'm still on this journey. Let me finish that one first. Oh, we can't be on concurrent terms, um, but we are. We're no, I'm leading the journey. No, no, no. Are we getting into that? But yeah, which is in in my opinion, like what is it? If you're getting uncomfortable, you're probably heading the right way. So Absolutely. it's it's a great book. You should get the Rupee Curl book. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, my course. My course made you feel uncomfortable when you read the outline as well. Oh shit, yeah. I'm plugging myself, that's launching. Yes. Again well yes um but highly 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 agree with that if it's something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable um yes like just do it i'm writing a new series of flows yes. that makes me quite uncomfortable Good. and um i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna be releasing them soon so if you're interested in working with me and you're listening megan you're gonna work with me anyway i know you're interested well i work with you all the time I'm like yeah but if you want to come play 
Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're in Melbourne, we can do it in face to face. But if you're anywhere else, we got the internet here. There's one big, one big. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Pipe for all of Australia. Uh, it did it as I was talking. I laugh. I just laugh. I have no idea what the audio will sound like on that. I'm gonna leave it in because I just laugh so hysterically when you're like, "We got the internet," and then you just went and you're like, "Holy yeah. like, oh, seriously, stop it!" I thought eclipse season was over. Um, that's crazy. Okay, where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, I, on Instagram at Lee Shiny L E A underscore Shiny. And I'll link um, all of that in the show notes as well. Oh, and I'm on YouTube too, at least shiny. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, our phones hang up on us all the time. Now the internet's trying to hang up on us. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, huge, huge, huge. Thank you to you. I love you, buddy. You have made me, you've undoubtedly made me a better Mace artist. Um, I mean, you made me into a Mace artist and a Mace coach and you've made me a better person. So, um, Hey, I'm honored. Yeah, I really, honored. I really I'm honored it. that people want to come and do it. And it's the yeah. funnest thing ever to get to share. It is. It really, like, it really, yeah. We're as stoked about sharing it with people as they are when they get into the classes, which is just like watching. I mean, I've taught, there's been a few people who've picked it up and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. And I'm like, okay, be gone. Um, you know, but most people pick it up and they're like, holy shit, what is this? And they're, they're just, because those are the people that you attract. So yeah, um, it's really exciting to get to do that. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And I will talk to you very soon. Thank you everybody for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode of sisters in Stoke. Thank you so much for tuning in to sisters in Stoke. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you or somebody you know would be an excellent Stokes person, feel free to get in touch. All of the information you need is in the show notes. Until next time, I'm your host, Megan Burks, reminding you to find your Stoke.